Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Catalinium toxicity is a concerning issue that needs to be given our utmost attention. Gadolinium is a contrast agent commonly used in medical imaging procedures, despite the fact that it has been found to have potentially harmful effects on the human body. The use of gadolinium-based contrast agents in MRI scans has truly revolutionized the field of diagnostic medicine. However, recent studies have raised concerns about the long-term safety of these agents. Toxicity occurs from the accumulation of gadolinium in various tissues and organs, leading to adverse health effects. Some of the symptoms of this may include skin changes, cognitive impairment, bone pain, and muscle weakness. This raises serious questions and concerns about the potential risks associated with repeated exposure. It is crucial for us as healthcare professionals and patients alike to be aware of these risks and take necessary precautions. The medical community must prioritize research into alternative contrast agents that are safer for patients without sacrificing the accuracy of diagnostic results. This is a pressing issue and it demands the attention from both medical professionals and regulatory bodies. We must strive towards finding safer alternatives and ensuring patient safety during these diagnostic procedures. The well-being of individuals should always be at the forefront when making decisions regarding their health care, and the importance of informed consent cannot be overstated. You're listening to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton. And before we get started today, I do want to encourage our listeners, if you have questions or comments, or perhaps you want to share your own experiences with what you're seeing on the front lines of healthcare, you can submit those to any of the hosts by visiting americaoutloud.com forward slash nurses out loud. From there, you can select the name of the nurse you'd like to direct it to from our drop-down menu. You can also email your questions directly to nurses at americaoutloud.com. We would love to hear from you. We encourage all of you to engage in the battle and find your voice in this fight. But until you're able to do that, we will continue to be that voice for you. Joining me today is a huge advocate for all medically injured patients. Debbie Heiss-Lambert is enthusiastic about ensuring informed consent, truth, and transparency, becoming the gold standard for all things healthcare. After her own life changed dramatically following multiple injections of gadolinium. In 2019, she launched Living with Gadolinium LLC with three goals in mind, to educate, support, humanize, and promote an open dialogue that helps those retaining and struggling from gadolinium heavy metal poisoning to advance informed consent, truth, and transparency for the use of gadolinium and of all drugs, to partner with scientists, doctors, researchers, and drug manufacturers to find solutions. Debbie holds a BA from George Fox University and in 2022 graduated with a certificate as a functional nutrition counselor. 
Her curiosity for seeking knowledge is one of her key strengths. She has more than three decades of experience working in finance, content and translation management and marketing. Debbie was fortunate to be a pioneer and early adopter, working on multiple corporate sponsored social media initiatives and remains a self-proclaimed fan of the benefits and opportunities that these tools provide. Debbie gives thanks and all glory for her life to God for his love and guidance. A near-death experience and face-to-face meeting with God where he asked her to listen to his whispers and she would have the opportunity to help many, continues to bring many new blessings daily. Debbie, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you for um, hosting this and having me on as a guest speaker. You know, I rep- I um, I often speak about this uh, gadolinium plight and kerfuffle that's going on. And uh, I, I manage a support group um, or I'm not, I don't manage it. I'm just an uh, advocate and I, I'm an admin for a support group that has about 6,000 people in it. And we partner with another group is in Europe and they have equally as many people in their group. Um, all people who have been, um, their lives have been changed because of an injection of gadolinium. Um, so I, I welcome the opportunity to chat about this. Absolutely. It's a very important topic. And I know, I know that you're a passionate advocate for bringing awareness to gadolinium toxicity. And it's something that as we, we know, and we were talking about before we started, it's not often spoken about, right? So I'd love to just kind of talk about your personal experience and how that became a catalyst for this mission. Okay, sure. Yeah. In 2016, um, I was struggling with some pancreatitis issues. And from 16 to 18, um, the pancreatitis was just ongoing and I was hospitalized multiple times. Uh, During that period of time, I was injected with um, gadolinium four different times. Um, And the first time, the first injection, I was in the hospital and of course they, you know, were looking to see what was going wrong and they were looking at the pancreas and they injected me with gadolinium and no one ever mentioned anything um, that, about the dye or anything. But of course I was in the hospital and um, no one mentioned it. So we just, um, I left the hospital and I had these dementia-like symptoms and um I couldn't find my way to my job. I couldn't find my way home. I couldn't find the way to the dog park to take my dog for a walk. And I've lived in my hometown almost my entire life. So it was all very strange. And um, one thing just led to another. And after my first injection and the dementia-like symptoms showed up and and my job got more difficult to manage because I was a high-level manager and I was trying to manage multiple teams. and, And I just was frustrated. I told my husband, I think I might have Alzheimer's. And so we went um, to an Alzheimer's doctor, a neurologist. And he said, well, I think you're too young, but let's do an MRI with contrast and look at the brain. Well, I still didn't ever connected the dots and I didn't even think anything about it. I never even asked any questions because we all just go to our medical professionals because we trust them and we're seeking advice. Right. And no one gets in an MRI machine unless you're having some kind of element and they're trying to look inside the body and see what's going on. So I didn't even think to question it all throughout the process. But the MRI with the contrast for the brain showed that I didn't have dementia, but we did end up going to another doctor who did some uh, physical tests, physical and mental testing over a two-day period. And I failed miserably. I left that those tests and I just felt like a failure. Um, the good news was 
the test results from the RMRI came back and I didn't have Alzheimer's, but the testing that we did um, did show that there was damage to my brain in four areas. Fast forward, I lost my job. Um, I, I couldn't work and um, life changed instantly. From there, um, two more injections occurred. Uh, they put a stent in my pancreas to look at the, and then the final injection was they uh, looked at the pancreas uh, stent to see how it was healing. And my body just said, enough is enough, right? Um, I'd had these electrocution shock things going on where I felt like I'd been electrocuted with lightning. My body would, my body would just freeze up for what seemed like forever, but it was really just minutes. But people on my staff were like, what's going on? You look horrible. Are you okay? You know? And I was like, I don't know. I don't think I am. So anyway, um, it was about 2018 when I connected the dots, um, I had been sent to a pain specialist and the pain specialist said, um, we're going to do these celiac plexus blocks. Well, they weren't really working. There was a series of three and I was feeling worse and worse and worse. And this is all covered in an out upcoming book that we can talk about later. But um, during that time, I just wasn't getting better from these celiac plexus blocks. And that's when I had an NDE and I got to meet God and we, he and I chatted in the corner and I said, please just take me home. I can't do this anymore. I just, I, if I'm not going to get better, I just need to come home. I, I, I just need to come home. And he said, um, well, you have work to do. Um, you have a purpose. You know, you, it's not your time. Da, da, da. We had this really nice chat and he's so kind and so loving. And it was a wonderful experience, but I really was wanting to die. I wasn't wanting to be here. Um, the pain was so excruciating. But he sent me back and he said, please, you know, listen to my whispers and you have the opportunity to help many. And that's when it really um, months, you know, weeks later, I was questioning that really happened, didn't it? I don't know what you know, that's kind of unusual. At the same time that that was going on when I was talking to God, um, I was also talking to the people who were working on my body. I was under anesthesia, had been put to sleep and they had needles that they were pointing, you know, pointing into certain nerves in, in the back to deaden the nerves there for the pancreas. Um, so I woke up and went home and like three weeks later, I called them back and said, I have this funny question to ask you, did this really happen? And I told her what I said, and she's like verbatim, the nurse said verbatim, that's exactly what happened. And so that kind of like resonated with me kind of just confirmed that what was going on was real and that I did need to listen to God's whispers. And from there, it's just been an incredible journey. I mean, it's probably the worst and best journey of my life. The worst being I've never been this sick in my entire life. Um, the ongoing struggle is real. The new diagnoses are real. Um, and there's just a lot of health issues to deal with. Um, on the good side, I've met some of the most incredible people, patients, you know, like I said, there's 5,000 people, 6,000 people in our group. Um, I've spoken to so many of them. I've personally been able to um, meet some of them when I went for chelation treatments to try and get the gadolidium out of the body. There's not an FDA approved antidote or cure um, for this heavy metal that's retained in our bodies. Um, so we're kind of on our own and these patient advocacy groups really um, and support groups, we really just have banded together and said, how do we fix this? How can we get well? What can we do? How can we reduce the body's burden of this toxicity? And there are doctors, um, Dr. Richard Salmelka, he's a world-renowned um, doctor and probably the leading expert on chelation for gadolidium. And so a lot of people use his protocols. A lot of doctors are being trained on his protocols. 
And we're all just, you know, moving forward, trying our best to get well. There's, you know, other um, products out there that, that we're testing. And we are test cases, truly. We're test cases because nothing's approved, right, by the FDA. So we're trying to reduce the body burden and retain, you know, and get our health back so that we can be functioning and productive citizens. It's hard. Some people just just lose everything. They lose their homes, their families, their jobs, their insurance, their, I mean, they just lose everything. I, I can't tell you the number of people in the group who are living off grid, living in cars, um, are, their bodies are so sensitive to EMF, all kinds of things that, you know, we just don't have answers to. Um, so we are, we're getting answers, but, you know, and there is a lot of work that's been done. Gadolidium has been on the market um, in MRI uh, for over three decades. And during that time, over a half billion people were injected and we're, in, we're currently injecting it. I think the numbers they state are between 40 and 50 million times annually. So it's still a concern, right? Yeah. And I'll tell you, you know, and, and I alluded to this, you know, it really did revolutionize diagnostic medicine. And, you know, no one, you know, really expects that this is going to be a problem because, you know, the doctors wouldn't do something that was going to have a negative effect. And that's our mindset, right? Same with uh, a, a prescription medication, which we all know that they have side effects, but we have that mindset that the doctor wouldn't give this to us if it could be harmful. Right. And, and there are so many good people, you know, you worked in the medical profession for your, most of your career. So, you know, there are just so many great, wonderful human beings working in the medical profession and medicine does help people. I mean, it's life-saving a lot of the time, right? And you're right. No one ever goes into an MRI machine thinking that a diagnostic tool could introduce new, new and worsening symptoms or be problematic. Um, you just don't. And it's sad that it is. Um, I think the changes when I, when I was poisoned was kind of at a pivotal moment in the industry because a group of patients who had been injured got together and went and met with the FDA. And when they met with the FDA, they were able to get some warnings changed, um, patient warnings changed and labeling changed and medication guides updated. That was all at a pivotal time when I was just coming into the group. The founder of the first uh, gadolidium support group, Marcy Jacobs, actually passed away right about that same time, too. But there were a lot of people that went to that meeting in 2017 that were impactful by their um, own stories that, you know, convinced the FDA that, hey, we need to look at this differently. Right. And since then, it's just um, evolved and research has evolved and um, even the radiologists are paying attention They're, you know, they're encouraging the FDA and the radiology community are saying to the doctors, because it's kind of, um, you know, medicine is so complex and so large now that the doctor who prescribes the MRI and picks the contrast is different from the radiologist who has the responsibility of injecting it and then reading the images. So you go to the doctor, you are complaining about your ailments. They send you for an MRI. They write a prescription for the contrast and they send you to the machine. Then the radiologist is the one that carries that out, reads the images and then gives that information back to your doctor. Then you go back to your doctor and your doctor tells you what they found. And then you work on a plan on 
where do we go from here and how can we help you get well and what do we need to do and all of that, right? But um, I think some of what where gaps exist is in that complex um, protocol and process that's in place because not always you're you're not patients rarely get to talk to a radiologist. Um, the radiologist techs who do the imaging when you're in the machine report to the radiologist or they make up that team at the radiology center. So um, it's in and of itself, the process works, but at the same time, there are gaps that I think um, that's what the FDA meeting tried to help with. Unfortunately, the wording is such that it still has gaps, right? And informed consent. So if we talk about informed consent, what does that really mean? And how does that look? And where are the gaps? And what could we change, right? So from a gadolidium perspective, um, and probably from all drug perspectives is you, you get a prescription and, and you pick it up at the pharmacy and then it has a little summary on it, it lists the top 10 things and you go home and you read it or you throw that away with your receipt and take the drug and on you go. With MRI, you go and you're in the machine and until recently, you may or may not have ever been asked about contrast. Do you have a, a reaction or an allergy or um, do you have metals in your body and all of that? So that's really what the, the 2017 meeting facilitated is to look at some of those processes. And I love that, you know, it, it, we're starting to put some warnings, but to your point that you just mentioned, um, th what we have to really focus on is getting people to do their own research, because like you said, many people just throw those um, pamphlets away right? With their um, their medication, with their receipt, they throw it away. They don't read it because they implicitly trust their doctor. But let me tell you, I, again, I've been in healthcare nearly 30 years. These doctors don't do, most doctors, I won't say all, but most doctors do not do their own independent research. And it's really a result of a system that is designed in such a way that it doesn't give them the opportunity to do so. Uh, corporate medicine is a beast, right? And it has right. these, these doctors that are ushering in uh, patients like cattle, I mean, they just are, they herd them in the door like cattle, and then they do not have time to do their own independent research. And they rely very heavily on whatever is uh, passed down from, you know, the AMA or the CDC or the FDA. And then that gets passed on to the patient. So it is imperative that we start educating and informing people to be their own advocates and empowering them to do their own research. That's where I think um, we, we are really lacking is that people are not aware of the how important it is that they do their own research. Would you agree? Yes, I think blind trust, those days are over. We just can't afford to blind trust. And and those doctors that we see and we go to for help, they have our best interests at heart. They're doing everything they possibly can. But like you said, they're they're ushering a lot of patients through. One of the doctors I saw said he 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 sees between 35 and 50 patients a day. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how do you even chart? How do you even make notes? How do you even you know, how do you get through that? It, it, that's a lot of people and, and you really can't um, get a holistic picture, right? And health really has to become a holistic thing. I mean, research is showing and the medicine industry is changing. We know that, or we're told that research says 90% uh, of disease starts in the gut, yep. you know, starts in our gut, in our digestive tract. And so We've become a pretty toxic world and our 
air, our soil, our water are all impacted and that all impacts our food supply, right? It all impacts our water and all the things that we need to sustain humanity and the animal population and the plant population and our agriculture and all of that. It's all tied together. So one of the things I learned when I went back to functional nutrition school is that, yeah, it's all connected and it all matters and there are gaps and, and the gaps, I mean, days of finger pointing days of um, trying to say that we don't have a responsibility. We are the only ones who can be responsible for our own health. And we have to ask critical questions and Sadly, right now, there's a theme that's going on, and I'm sure it has a lot to do with burnout and the recent pandemic and just the overload and more and more people being sick. And um, But there's a lot of patient shaming going on. And, and it's not just the average patient who goes into the doctor's office who's being shamed. I mean, I've talked to neurologists and other doctors who are also patients who say, I can't believe how I'm being treated. You know, I'm, I'm being told I'm not the expert. I shouldn't Google. I shouldn't check this out. And if I don't want to do what the doctor's telling me, then go away. You know, I don't want to be, I'm not going to see you again. I'm not going to help you. You really need a psych eval. I mean, we have patients in the gadolinium group who've been sent to psych hospitals. Um, We have patients that we've lost. Um, and we have a, we have doctors in the group who like had, had been in practice, practice for 10, 20 years and never knew about gadolinium until they themselves were poisoned. And they're like, what the heck is going on here? Right. So yes, to your point, we need to, patients have to step up and advocate for themselves and take some ownership. Absolutely. And we should be empowering people. We are, we are merely here to be guides. We are not here to dictate people's care. Our health is our own responsibility and we have to be accountable to that. Um, but yeah, I would, as I was hearing you say that about uh, the patient shaming, it really is real and it's concerning. I see that a lot in some of these nursing groups, you know, on social media. I, I see a lot of that. There's a lot of memes and a lot of jokes about, you know, how, um, you know, you shouldn't, you're, you, you're, degree from Google or whatever, just basically shaming people for even wanting to um, look into a problem and do their own research. And I find that so disturbing and just really disappointing. And it's just a bad look for the nursing profession. So I would really encourage my fellow nurses to, to, to don't do that. Please don't do that. It's, it's, it's just awful. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's sad. It's sad because honestly, don't, and you know, I say this to patients a lot, but don't ever, you know, let a doctor or a nurse or any other healthcare professional belittle you for wanting to be an active participant in your own healthcare. You are the most important participant in your own healthcare and nobody knows your body like you do. That's right. And I think in support groups, you know, Facebook support groups are huge right now. There are hundreds, if not thousands of support groups out there for all kinds of issues, whether it's lupus and autoimmune diseases, thyroiditis, um, you name it, MS, gadolinium, lupus, um, stroke victims. I mean, there's support groups everywhere, right? And even like the pancreas group. I mean, and I touch base in a lot of those groups just because I'm an admin. And like I said, in my bio, curiosity has been one of my biggest um, strengths. But when I check in in some of those groups and they're listing some of the symptoms that they have and they're like, I don't know what's wrong with me. You know, I have this and I have that and I have this and I have that. 
a lot of times I'm like, oh, that sounds like gadolidium. And so I'll ask, I'll say, have you ever had imaging with contrast? You know, and they're like, oh my gosh, yeah, I have everything that's on that list, that symptom list. Why didn't I know about this? And so there, you know, it just goes back to present the gap more. Um, but I do think um, as we move forward, a, a lot of times in the various groups, especially in the GAD group, people will come into the group to learn and get information. And they'll say, I'm scheduled for an MRI. They say I have to have contrast, but now I've read some information and I'm nervous and I'm curious. And of course, what are you going to hear from people who are in a support group who've all been poisoned, right? Um, and poisoned, when I say that, I mean, they've had a, an adverse reaction based on a toxic rare earth metal that, that is an F block element that serves no biological reason to be in the human body. And all of a sudden they've been injected and they're having symptoms, right? And the recourse for that is that you go to the FARS, F-A-E-R-S database, which is an FDA um, managed database and you record your adverse event. But what comes from that is that you get a standard letter, you know, thank you so much for your input. Um, we're gonna monitor this, right? And and there might be some gaps there too, you know, because um, people are, you get a form letter back and that's all you get. That even is even more frustrating, but they go to these doctors and they say, the doctor says, I have to have an MRI with contrast. And then they say, well, I turned down the contrast and the doctor canceled my MRI. And people are so sick and we we are a nation of, we want it when we want it and we want it now, right? Quick fixes. Um, that's just who we are. But if you're really, really sick and then you, your doctor says, well, if you won't take the contrast, then I won't do the imaging. There's no sense in doing the imaging. It puts the support groups in a really bad situation too, because you have patients that are sick, but we're not doctors. You can't give legal or medical advice, right? We're just patients. So how do we like, you know, work together and partner with um, whoever overseeing agencies, if it's going to be the FDA or whoever it's going to be, but how do we partner with them to be better at getting um, valid, truthful, transparent information to the patient um, upfront and answer those questions? Because when you check in for your MRI, you do a lot of places now give you a form that says you're going to sign off, you're going to be injected, da 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 da. And the 30-year-old mantra still is out there. The 30-year-old mantra is, oh, don't worry. It gets, just drink a lot of water and it'll be out of your system in 24 to 48 hours. Well, that mantra now is, is still going on and it's hard to change that, right? Because it was, that was the, the, the what we knew at the time yeah. for 30 years. That's what we knew. Drink a lot of water, it'll all be out of your system. And then when in 2018, when the manufacturers came out with the letter and said, uh-oh, it is retained. It's retained in everyone. And it's retained in your brain, your bones, your tissue, and your organs. But we don't really see a problem. We're not really seeing a whole lot of diseases. The only disease that we really know of at this time is NSF, which is nephrogenic systemic fibrosis. It's a horrible disease. I've seen so many images of people's bodies. I've read autopsy reports. It's a terrible way to go. And even since that came out, um, now we know that because it is retained in everyone, it's not just people with 
damaged kidneys that are impacted. And that was the original premise was your kidney had to be, um, you know, not fully functioning for NSF to really impact you. Since then, um, since that came out and since NSF, they did take a couple of the brands off the market. And that's when Europe took all the linears off the market. So there's macrocyclics and linear types of gadolinium. And Europe took all of the uh, linear off the market when NSF was in full swing, you know, and they thought, well, that, that'll fix it because now we have this macrocyclic and it won't cause NSF, but really, um, fibrosis is fibrosis, whether your kidneys work or don't work people in the groups and patients are, you know, seeing fibrosis. It's a real thing. Gadolinium fibrosis. And now this year, new research came out from the university of New Mexico and a team led by Dr. Brent Wagner, where we're seeing um, gadolinium nanoparticles in the kidneys, right? Retained in the kidneys. And, and they're like, oh, that can set off disease. So how do we like, you know, move the dialogue forward? Um, and, and I think patients are just at their wits end because they're so sick, they just want to feel better. And if you turn down the contrast, then you don't get the imaging how helpful is that if you're really, really sick? You just want to feel better, right? So a lot of patients will cave and go ahead and get the contrast. And then a lot of patients come back and go, I wish I would have never done that. I'm so sick. Now, is there, Debbie, is there a definitive diagnostic test for gadolinium toxicity? Um, there really isn't, Kimberly. Um, what we use right now is we use a urine test. So you can do a 24-hour urine collection and you can send it to the lab and the lab will tell you what, how much your body's currently excreting. The Mayo Clinic has been really involved in setting what the standard um, toxicity level is, you know, and that changes because the more people that get toxicity levels, then the more common it is for it to be in the body. And so that range, that toxicity range keeps going up and up and up that number that's measuring it. And so truthfully, in all reality, and, and even people in the industry say this, you know, I mean, some of the experts who teach MRI safety will sit, have said, and, and, you know, this is them speaking, not me. I'm not making this up. Is gadolinium is never found in the body unless it's put in your body by a radiology group or an MRI with contrast at toxic levels. I mean, now it's in the water. I mean, we're dumping it in the water so quickly that, you know, they can measure it when, at the hospital. They can see it going into the water systems and they can measure um, gadolinium as it enters. And that's true about all drugs, right? Because it's our body's excreting it through the urine and through the fecal matter. That's how we get rid of it. So it makes sense that we're, you know, contaminating the water by through our urine and fecal matter. I mean, that's just oh, exactly. Part our of the our environment and our world is is so toxic, and that's why I'm such a big fan of um, regular detoxification. Because honestly, and even the unintentional or the intentional, you know, because there's really in my mind uh, no end in sight to you know the 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 
the drugs, the, uh, the, they're coming at us from every angle, whether it's the air we breathe, the water we drink, but, you know, and there's intentional and there's the unintentional, um, just toxicity of the environment we live in. So again, uh, de regular detoxification is, is so, so important, but we can get back into that here on the other side of this break. But America Out Loud Talk Radio plays on the iHeartRadio network. You can also listen on our media player from any web browser anywhere in the world. We have the best in-class apps available on Apple, Android, or Alexa, 24-7, Great Talk Radio. All of our shows go to podcast the following day. You can hear them on apps such as Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart Podcast, and many more. Be sure to subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts for me. Don't forget to check out our online store at americaoutloud.shop where you can find all of the products that we represent on our network at a discounted rate thanks to the generosity of our sponsors. Please show them your support. I'll catch you on the other side of this break. Stay with us. It's time in this For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order, risk-free. Love it or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. Out loud. Well, the out loud truth was the rallying call that started it all. A wide spectrum of programming from world and political news to societal, your health, and cultural stories. Seven amazing years of news stories, informative podcasts, and great talk radio. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton. And wherever you're listening from today or whatever you're doing, I thank you for giving me the gift of your time. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.news your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcasts, and videos so we can help secure America's future. If you're just joining me, I have been talking to healthcare advocate Debbie Heiss-Lambert. Debbie, thanks again for being here with me today. So Debbie, right before we went to break, we were talking about, you know, whether, whether there is a definitive test for gadolinium toxicity. Um, there really isn't. There is the 24 hour urine collection. So let's just kind of touch back on that just a little bit. Um, and then we'll, we'll go on from there. Sure. Yeah. So the urine test really, people need to understand that it's, it's really just a snapshot in time. It, 
And usually we suggest when people come to the group and we, we say, yeah, we'll get a urine test. It will tell you what your toxicity levels are. And if you have gadolinium retention, and if you've had gadolinium, then you have some in you and, and the number will vary how, depending on how long ago you were injected and how much time has passed because gadolinium is moving around. It The free gadolinium has to find a partner on the dance floor, as they say, and marry with it and move to a new place to settle in the body somewhere, right? And that's where it's um, kind of magical in and of itself. And we're trying to learn more about it as we look at different body parts. So, um, but the urine test really is just a snapshot in time. It tells you your toxicity levels. And then we tell people, you know, don't get hung up on that because it's that's really all it's good for is just to tell you your toxicity level. So now let's move on to, you know, what are your symptoms and how are you feeling? And you know, what, what support do you need? And how can we help you, you know, learn what's available to do? And as I mentioned, there's no FDA approved antidote or cure, but DTPA and EDTA are two chemical um, chelation tools that we have been using as patients with doctors, um, always work with the doctor. I mean, I can't tell you that we are huge advocates, always work with the medical professional you trust. Um, this is this is a beast. This isn't anything to play around with. Um, it's creating havoc and a, and a war zone inside your body sometimes and things change rapidly and you need to be monitoring everything as you're going through any chelation or detoxing, right? So um, we always advocate that you should work with a medical professional who can, who can do uh, blood testing and do urine testing and all the tests to see that your system is working and where it's not working so well so that they can monitor and, and help you build support to regain health as you're chelating or detoxing. And that's what's so, and that is so important. That's why I'm so passionate about the work that we do at Remnant Nursing, because that's exactly what our nurses do. And we have nurses that are um, researching these types of things. They go along, we, we order lab tests um, and we go through the process with the patient. So it's really, um, I'm really passionate about that because we don't want people who have really been abandoned by their medical community. And that's what happens so, so frequently, whether it's vaccine injury or toxic injury, like you're talking about with the gadolinium, um, they are gaslit and they are abandoned by the mainstream medical community. So I'm very passionate about our nurses uh, working with people and helping them to guide them through this recovery process. It's just so crucial that we have that in place. So we'd love to talk with you more about how we can help in your efforts um, at, at assisting these people. Yeah, and I think that's so important. I mean, we we really, in the gadolinium group, some of the thought leaders, and I, I consider myself one of those as a thought leader, is how do we help patients? How do we move from injury to regaining health, right? Because that's really what we want. And the body, like you said earlier in the in the in this discussion, is the body's great at healing itself. And if you give it the right things, returning to homostasis can happen, right? At the same time, you have this foreigner in your body now, this foreign substance that the body doesn't recognize, can't reconcile, and can't eliminate. So yeah, it's setting off this storm. And we talk all the time with patients about cytokine storms and mitochondria um, damage. And what does that mean? And what's that look like? And then people start getting new diagnoses, right? A laundry list of diagnoses, everything from small fiber neuropathy to lupus to autoimmune diseases to 
um, just all kinds of a host of things. And, and we're like, you have to have some support from somebody who's trained in this to help you get through this and help you know what are the right um, maybe medications, maybe you don't go with medications, maybe you go the natural route, whatever you choose, because it's your body. Um, but we want to help them do that. Um, Dr. Richard Samalka, as I mentioned earlier, he is like the world renowned um, expert and has, has probably more books and papers written on DTPA and EDTA chelation. He's been, he was one who coined the term gadolinium deposition disease. And that's a controversial thing. You know, he termed that um, before really disease was even recognized as part of gadolinium in the body, you know, creating disease. But um, F, I think it was in 2021 industry, um, when I say industry, I mean, like the radiology community and all those people, they came out with a term called SAGE, which is um, symptoms associated with gadolinium exposure. Um, because gadolinium deposition disease, while now it's been used so much that it is recognized, right? Um, but it's kind of an umbrella term. And um, there are other things and some people might get one injection and you don't want to do anything. You just want to like go on about your way and feel better and do all the right things with diet and da, 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 da. Then there are people like me who had dementia. If I hadn't done chelation, I don't know what would happen to me. Um, and chelation was scary. I mean, it, and it, I flared and I didn't know what a flare was. And I had met a girl in the group who had already had like 30 chelation treatments. And she's like, Oh, Debbie, she became my, my BFF for God. She, she's like, don't worry about the flares, just embrace them. That's just your body's way of saying that I'm, you're really sick and I'm working overtime to get well. And so that's kind of how I look at flares. Since I did chelation, then there's a, uh, there's a medication that they've put together, a medication protocol to dampen down those flares so that the body isn't in such an overreactive state, right? It kind of dummies it down and says, calm down, calm down, you're okay. So they've been able to implement some solutions there along with the chelation. But there are doctors like Dr. Wagner out of University of New Mexico, who's not supportive of chelation. And his reasoning behind that is because um, we're basically, you know, ripping out this heavy metal and, and moving it around and redistributing it. And when it's redistributing it, it can land in other places. I mean, I went through a period of time where I had double vision. Um, even this last time, I just recently got out of an MRI machine, um, my second time back in one, and you never think you'll get back in one, but um, I'm, they're looking at my body for, again, the pancreas, and, and they're thinking I may have, uh, uh, possibly I have a mass, and even after the stent, there's some inflammation and dilation, and they're looking at it and saying, perhaps you have pancreas pancreatic cancer. So we don't know the answer to that yet. It's still being diagnosed. But I guess my point was I went back in the machine um, and and it heated up that gab. I think it heated up that gab. I could actually feel the pulsation and my I could see my, my skin um, moving, right, as the magnet is pulsating to get the images. So it's kind of an interesting um, thing, um, phenomenon for me to watch in my own body. And since then, I've my body feels like it's uh, had a really bad, severe sunburn. It's just hot and burning. That's been about a week, but I expect that to just be a flare and that'll go away. Right. So, um, but I think chelation, Dr. Wagner's point is probably true. Um, and then, you know, I, I recently met Dr. Christina Rahm and she owns a company called Root. She's a scientist, a doctor, a patient, a 
author. I mean, she's, she's an incredible amazing. woman. She's right? amazing. She has more degrees than a thermometer. That's what uh, Jill, Jill and I always talk about the detox girl. She has more degrees than a thermometer, but she is an absolute uh, amazing human. You're correct there. Yes. And she's just doing so many, you know, cool things. And I, I think that's the thing at once you are, you know, if you are medically injured, or you have a severe reaction to a drug or a protocol or a surgery or metal or whatever, you have a new heightened awareness, right? And so I think, then you're like, Oh, who's this? And what are they doing? And how can I utilize some of their tools to feel better? So it's kind of a journey, right? It evolves. Um, but yeah, I was excited when I met Jill and Chris and heard about Dr. Rom because um, her root products really are focused on um, not only eradicating um, the heavy metal, but also supporting it in ways that um, help rejuvenate and build healthy cells. And so I think early chelation, when I was doing it, we weren't really even thinking about that. Maybe how did we support the system as we eradicated the heavy metal out of the body, but now it's evolving, right? And she's probably one of the first people that I've met that really understands that well, and is putting products out there that do that very thing. Yeah, she's she's been an absolute uh, blessing. You know, we've we've worked with her very closely um, as we because we need to start focusing on solutions, right? We we have identified so many times over what is the problem, and we need to start focusing on what are some solutions. Um, what are some of the solutions that you are working on with your community and moving forward? If once we identify the gadolinium toxicity, what are some of the solutions that? Um, that that you're focusing on as far as moving forward? I think like we talked originally was that patients have to take accountability and ownership because it's their body. And so there are a lot of options and, and not, and, and everyone's constitution is different and in a different state of homostasis, right? And nobody gets in an MRI machine unless they have a previous element that they're trying to find a solution to or answers for, right? So you go in the machine and the doctor's trying to help you and they're doing their best. And next thing you know, you're poisoned. So then, yeah, now what? So like you said, how do we move to solutions? So DTPA and EDTA are two proven technologies and protocols that work to help excrete the the gadolinium, not without issues, not without caution, not without pros and risks and benefits and all of that. So we tell we tell people, it's your job. Here's the link. Go read this research. Um, ask questions from us in the group who've maybe done chelation. We'll be happy to answer your questions. And then you can decide for yourself if that's a pathway you want to take. At the same time, we give them Dr. Wagner's research and we say, read his research, you know, and here's what he's saying, da, 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 da. And then there are people in the group who are like really, really chemi chemistry driven, I would say. And they're like, oh, well, did you know boron does this and da, 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 da. We caution people and we say, you know, you have to take responsibility. We, we're not doctors. We're not giving medical advice. And anything you try is really trial and error. When I signed up to do chelation, I had to sign a waiver to say this isn't approved and you're basically you know, helping us figure out the solutions. One of the solutions that we're waiting on is called HOPO. And it was really um, early on, the funding came and it was going to be done for gadolinium. And since the funding has been moved to lead, which I think is a great 
because lead is such a um, beast in our environment, right? And we have a lot of people sick from lead poisoning. So the funding model's kind of been moved over to lead, um, but we're looking at it for gadolidium in the respective, because that's what it was originally going to be developed for is my understanding. I, and that's based on some, you know, ar newspaper articles and um, information that they, the HOPO team reached out to our group and talked to us about. And I think someone gifted some funding to them specifically for gadolidium, but um, yeah, we're saying, well, good. If it comes out for lead, it might get out there sooner, right? It might get out yeah. there sooner and we can use it for off-label for gadolidium. I mean, I think that's the hope is that we would use it off-label for gadolidium. And there's a lot of people there um, who are hanging their hat on that. Um, so I think it's funny. We talk about, you know, is chelation right? Is it going to work? Yeah. And it does help. I mean, I, like I said, with my dementia, I don't know where I would have gone had I not done chelation. Um, because it, I, I just give thanks that it saved my life. I really do believe that. Um, so, um, other than that, I mean, like there's boron, there's supplements, there's, um, hyperbaric oxygen, there's a niacin detox group that uses sauna and they've had huge results. Um, several multiple members of our group from the gadolinium group have done the, um, it's Dan Root. His dad was a doctor and he developed this protocol and it's, uh, niacin detox uh, using sauna. And um, we have been able to measure um, before and after and during, and we can see the levels of gadolidium coming out of the body using that protocol. So that's really exciting, right? And people say they feel better, they get mental clarity back, their, uh, their nerve twitching goes away and the twitching in their bodies and their legs and arms and stuff subsides sometimes. Um, and sometimes they go back for a second round or a third round. And, and that might be because as GAD moves around, um, it impacts them differently, or it settles down for a while, and then it comes back something you eat, something you drink, who knows what, what causes it to get disrupted again, where it becomes active. Um, it's probably impossible to get all of the gadolinium out of your body. And let's, you know, let's be clear, it's a small amount, right? The amount of gadolinium in your body is really a, a minute amount. But it does, it obviously is disruptive to the body because it's a poison. It's a toxic metal that's poisonous to the body. And then there's the whole conversation. Well, it sets off an autoimmune response, which is an, could be an allergy. So people get mast cell and mast cell is really a histamine response, right? And um, is very impactful. It can cause anaphylaxic. I, I, I used to walk in like a furniture store or a jewelry store or whatever, and I would have an instant anaphylaxic reaction to the point that I carried an EpiPen with me. Um, but uh, as I reduced the burden through, through chelation, I was able to, you know, get that more in check. So, but you meet people in all the, these different groups and they're all having these reactions. And so I think um, Hopo is one. Um, the boron, I don't have a lot of information on that, but there are people in my group who have done it, tried it, feels so much better. So I'm not going to discount anything because everyone's uh, constitution is different and how we unburden the body. There's lots of variety of ways. Zeolite, which is one of the um, products that um, Dr. Ram uses, that also binds to gadolinium. Um, even um, silica, silica binds, right? So there's lots of things to do, but 
I think one thing I would caution people as you're trying to get well is the first thing that happens when you come in the group, you just want to get well so fast that you, um, and this is probably true in all groups of all different kinds, but you want to get well. And so people will say, oh, I take this supplement, that supplement, this supplement. And supplements can be just as dangerous as a drug. Yes, right? over supplementation is definitely a real, uh, a real issue that we need to address as well. So I'm glad you said that. Yeah, we just, we definitely, you know, want to caution people, don't get on the supplement train, you know, really understand and really understand what your body needs and doesn't need and what it's overloaded with, because you can create new problems for yourself. Not to say that supplements don't help because they do. Sure. And then hyperbaric chamber, um, we have a patient who uh, left the MRI machine and was in a wheelchair. I mean, she walked in to get her MRI and she left in a wheelchair, right? She did hyperbaric um, oxygen. Uh, treatments. Um, and her doctor is one that just was spent. Oh, I can't remember his name, Dr. Oh, what is his name? Uh, I, I feel bad. I forgot his name, but he just spent like, um, he just broke the world record for being underwater encapsulated. And he's doing research on HBOT. And um, anyway, kind of fascinating. If I think of his name, I'll send it to you. But, um, but she did hyperbaric chambers, and she did like, I don't know, 30 treatments or something, and she was able to, to walk again. So you know, um, oh, yeah, the healing benefits of, of that hyperbaric chamber is it's amazing. And I hear this over and over again. And you know, I think the, the issue is really, I mean, it's not a very accessible treatment, though, for your average person. I think that's something and that's something I'm very passionate about, um, is trying to introduce these types of modalities to our injured community, again, whether that vaccine injury or gadolinium or, or anybody who's toxically overloaded, you know, we have to start presenting options for people because health yeah. and wellness should not only be for, you know, the rich and famous, right? It is for all of us. So we really need to make these types of, um, of treatments more accessible. How do we get these to our average people who are struggling day in and day out with these types uh, of issues? Because I think that there are so many and it's just so underdiagnosed. So many people are struggling and they don't even understand why. I think that's true of vaccine injury. And I'm sure that it's all, uh, as you stated earlier, it's a cumulative effect, right? So the more exposures you get, um, the, the worse your symptoms are getting. And for many of us, it takes us sometimes decades to connect the dots. Yes. And, and well, it took me over two years. And even when I connected the dots and asked the doctor, they said, Oh, yeah, that could be a real possibility. But we would have done it the same way anyway, because we needed to get a great image of the pancreas. So, you know, I mean, even when they know it would have been nice if they have told me, but anyway, it doesn't matter. But, um, but yeah, and, and I think to your point, we it, it needs to be affordable, because for gadolidium there, it, it's not covered by insurance. I mean, you might get the original urine test covered. Um, but that is probably it. I mean, we've seen people be put on feeding tubes and wheelchairs and their their health just deteriorates. And how do we help them, right? How do we help them? But my point being like, if you are a patient and you have been injured, the best thing you can do is get your gut health regulated. I mean, give up the sugar, give up the alcohol, give up the carbs, give up the gluten, you know, and just really keep, I tell people all the time, keep a mood, food, poop, um, pain journal, and it will start to show you trends of, you know, what's working for you, what's not working for you, what's making your body flare, what makes it feel worse, what makes it feel better. But you do have to track it, you do have to be diligent, and write it down. And it's not just a, you know, three week thing. It's, it's several months or even a year, I've kept a food journal for over almost four years now. And, 
you do start to see trends and, you know, food can impact you two days later. And you're like, oh, wait, what's going on? You know, so um, yeah, I think you have to clean up your gut health. And then if you can walk, if you can't, even if you can't walk, but if you can just do leg lifts from your the side of your bed or from your recliner, I mean, those are all things we have to keep moving the body. Um, moving the body helps it heal. I mean, you can't just lay down and give up. Absolutely. And I think one of the biggest questions that I really, as we kind of wind down here, we're running out of time today, but I, and there, I mean, there's certainly no shortage of topics that we could talk about. So we'll probably have you back on. Um, But, uh, you know, I think that really the big question and, and something that is so important to me, my mission and what we're doing is like, how do we humanize, educate, advocate, and move from the sick care system to the wellness system. And that's something that we're trying to do with remnant nursing. I know that you're trying to do this in your uh, front as well, but what is your, your thoughts on how do we move forward to that and, and transition and start educating these healthcare professionals that there's a better way and they can be a part of this well care versus sick care. Well, one thing the gadolidium group is doing right now is we're getting ready to release a book. Um, and it's just in its final um, stages and it's a book that just tells our stories because sharing our stories, we never know who our story might connect with someone else who would connect the dots to something they're struggling with. Right. So how do we, you know, I think it's, it's all about sharing our stories, not in a way to um, provoke or um, cause ill will with anyone, but just to say, you know, here, let's, um, let's all look together at ways to get well. And here's some things that impacted me. Here's some things I did. And so with this book, I think our goal is to just share it with the medical community um, so that they can read some of these real stories and go, oh my gosh, I had no idea this was really happening because we run into people all the time and they're, and patients do all the time. I've never heard of that. That's never, you know, that's never been on my radar. So yeah, I think it's more about just partnering and reaching out and sharing stories. And even if your story's not well received at the time, especially in the in the medical industry, um, it plants a seed. And then that same thing comes up again, six months later, or a year later, and they go, wait a minute, where have I heard this before? Right. And that's where we will start to make changes, I think. Absolutely. Well, Debbie, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a a great and informative conversation. I will make sure that we include uh, links to your website in our show notes and information about that book for when it comes out. Uh, I'm sure that is going to be something that is going to be a great educational tool. And that's all the time that we have for today, friends. But remember, we are here on the air five days a week, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern with a different nurse host daily. You can also catch the Encore at 11 p.m. Eastern. Please be sure to tune in and listen to myself and my amazing sister nurses. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton, and you can find me here every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. Until next time, be safe, be well, and God bless. Tune in tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern as I hand off the baton to Nurse Michelle. We are in a war for the truth. We are putting out a bounty on the real misinformation and exposing the purveyors of propaganda. No topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the darkness. It's time